You're listening to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome, everyone, to episode 8 of the Red Diamond Courier podcast. We are so happy to have you all here. I am Bob Chichinsky. Joined as always by my good good friend Dog Bark Twenty Four. How you doing this week, Dog? I am doing pretty good. Pretty good. All right, that's what I like to hear. So, <laughs> this week, as always, we're going to be giving you guys our what's happening in ESO and our state of serial updates. Plus, we're going to be going into part two of our dungeons guide segment and at the end we'll be finishing it up with the ever so popular city of ash so this week in our eso news of the week we don't have a lot to fill you up with but the Merkmire event is finally coming to an end after it's almost two week tenure but not quite dog and i both got our blob pets finally and Although it took a while, Dog actually ended up getting the memento as well. Yep, I ended up buying buying all the uh, different feathers, and I got all the memento pieces. I had to buy three of them with tickets. So, and then our good friend Graham was super unlucky with this event. I think he got uh, out of he opened up twelve boxes, and I think he probably only got like two or three pieces out of them. So. Yeah, and I had to buy a couple of my pieces for the Blob Pet, too, so, I mean, don't feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) At least you got both of them, but how was the uh, Memento? Is it awesome? No, it's uh, just like one of those dailies that you do in uh, Merkmire. You just put that uh, gravesake in, and that's about it. Sounds exciting. Super exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So, PC players are going wild in Harrowstorm. My uh, Twitter feed is full of people doing awesome things that I wish I could be living, but although we suppress our jealousness, we are ever waiting the March 10th date where we could get in there and have some fun and see all the changes that we talked about last week and really get to feel them for ourselves. Yep, that's one more week. Yeah, exactly, man. It's coming, though. It's it's almost here. (laughs) So today... We, which today, as in the day we're recording, we got treated to the March Crown Store Showcase, and we wanted to highlight a few select items for you guys, talk about some of the ones that caught our eye at least. As always, you can check the rest out at ElderScrollsOnline.com, where they have all that kind of cool stuff over there for you. Dogged, why don't you start off the Crown Store Showcase? All right, well, the first thing is the Shield of Sensual. Uh, style motif it's available starting march 18th and the important thing about this one is that you can get this for well you can grind for this style by doing the southern elsewhere city dailies so that's gonna be pretty fun yeah and i know that that's like a really popular one that a lot of people have been waiting to come out so that's really cool to see yeah next up is the breton hero from march 5th to march 9th I know this one's been released a few times, but I never was wanting it. But now this time around, I do want it. So I'm looking forward to buying that one. 
Yeah, that one took me a bit to get to, actually. But especially when the Necromancer came out last year, I was like, oh, yep, definitely glad that I eventually got that at some point. Yeah, after watching some of the trailers again, I'm like, man, this Britain here was pretty amazing looking. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So, also, we got the information. The Jester's Festival will be returning to us once again from March 26th to April 2nd, the usual kind of short period it has. It's going to have the Jester hats you can buy from the store and the Jester personality, which is awesome. You don't want to miss out on it, just saying. There's also going to be a cool new music box with kind of Jester theme music, I'm assuming, and the Jester's Monkey Pet, which is super cool has a little crown it can match you and we have our uh, saint patty day hats coming back got the little clover on the side you know you look all cool those will be available from march 12th to march 19th and the drunk personality and the drunk personality which you know is one of dog's favorites not one of my favorites but i i, I do like seeing people uh you know, running around, spreading around with their beer flying all over the place. Flying all over the place, exactly. And then we also have one of the houses that have been having a few people excited to come out, the Forge Master Falls. It's going to be available from March 12th to March 26th. And this is the more orcish style one. It's pretty freaking huge it has room for you to do all kinds of cool stuff and it has a built-in blacksmithing station so definitely first house to do something like that i think yeah definitely that's kind of cool i like that so yeah that's uh that's the items we wanted to let you guys know for to be aware for in march and like we said there's a bunch of other stuff coming out stuff that we kind of skipped over you can find it on their site or just Google Crown Store March Showcase ESO. That's pretty much what I do. Seems to work. So, now, let's get into our current state of Cyrodiil. My favorite segment of each week. And we have our new Greyhost campaign going on right now in PCNA. It's got 22 days left. And I am very proud to announce that... The Daggerfall Covenant is leading with 25k, Ebonheart Pact in second with 23k, followed by the Aldmeri Dominion with 21k. So, nice close little gap. There's warfare going on in Cyrodiil for sure. Go take part in it and keep the Daggerfall Covenant in the lead, please. Now, to get into our console scores, we have Xbox NA first. We have 27 days remaining over there, but it's kind of more like 8 because the new DLC is going to come out and, you know, cancel it all when we get the new names and the reset of the campaign. And it's actually kind of more like 5 by the time you guys will be hearing this. So we're still going to give you the scores, though, because, you know, it's important. And I know that all three of these just reset. I was kind of gone all weekend, so I didn't really get to watch all of them finish. I'm just going to kind of go with the people who were leading in the last one's one, which was mainly EP in all of them, except for the PS4, where DC was leading. So 
I hope that DC secured that and EP probably knocked down Xbox NA and EU. So now that that's out of the way, congratulations to everyone on your victories of Cyrodiil. This will be a short campaign, but in Xbox NA, Ebonheart Pact is leading with 8.6k, Daggerfall Covenant with 7.5k in second place, followed up by the Almere Dominion with 7,429 in last place. They are very close to second. And the Daggerfall Covenant definitely has some room to make up to get to first. So, we got about, you know, a week left. Let's go get a Daggerfall. Then, Dogged, why don't you give them the Xbox EU scores for the week? Alright, well, to start us off, we have DC in first, leading with 9k points. EP is second with 7100 points. And AD is shortly behind them with 6900 points. So, another good battle over there, and another Daggerfall Covenant leading in the leaderboard. I love it, honestly. Yep. As always, we'd like to thank our dedicated PS4 master, Lotus of Doom, for sending us the scores this week. We have, unfortunately, a surprise. Aldmer Dominion has taken the lead with 8K. Then you have... Ebonheart Pact with 7,567. And then the Daggerfall Covenant in last with 7,549. A mere 20 points back. So this is the closest campaign by far, as it tends to be most of the time. It's a really good one over there. They seem to have a lot of good battles. So those campaigns will be over maybe not over but they'll be just about ending by the time you hear the next campaign and yeah we haven't had a lot of time to be in Cyrodiil lately but it's good to see that the Daggerfall Covenant is coming back up and leading some campaigns that's pretty cool so next up we have our dungeons category and this week we will be talking about Banished Cells 1 and 2 Elden Hollow, 1 and 2, and City of Ash, 1 and 2. Very nice, dogged. And we are going a little bit out of order again, but we wanted to make sure we bring you guys City of Ash. Well, if you're listening to it live, you can tell that there's still the arms pack in the crown store for sale. And that means that when you go into the dungeon, you have a chance of getting the monster helmet style page and there's an increased chance if you do it on hard mode so yeah we wanted to make sure you have some info going in there that could help you out as well as bunch this with some of our other base game dungeons so the first one we're going to talk about is banish cells one and two vet banish cells one is one of the awesomest and easiest ways to farm purple jewelry i mean there's so many bosses that drop name jewelry in there that it's pretty crazy you could go in there farm it if you do it on veteran you're going to be getting purple jewelry which decon get that zircon it's worth a pretty good deal yep and then you can also improve your jewelry master rates and get all the master rates available 
Dog's favorite master. It's gotta get them stations, yo. Yep. So you're gonna be helping the keeper Syrian to bind the spirit of High Kinlord Rillis while you're in here. And let me say, you won't be sad. <laughs> this guy, uh, High Kinlord Rillis, you you're gonna want to take him out. He's kind of a jerk. Yep. I do know that the High Kinlord Rillis is can be seen in the. Uh little throne room and vocal guard doing something. I don't exactly remember, but I do remember seeing him there. <laughs> doing so, something or other. Okay, well, I, that's pretty cool. I never knew that, actually. Yeah. So, in Banish Shows 2, one of the mechanics we kind of wanted to toss at you, because there's not too many that are going to really freak you out through this. I mean, you got to push some buttons to bring up Shadow Rendon. Banish Shells 1, but they aren't two of the toughest dungeons. However, there is a kind of mechanic that can throw you at the end of Banish Shells 2, and that is there's going to be two debuffs that come up on characters, a red debuff and a blue debuff. So when it pops up on you, there's a corresponding light at the at either side of the room that you're going to want to go into the matching color. And yeah. It'll cleanse it for you. Yep, and you don't want to be like us and forget about it. Yeah, you never want to forget about Devos. That'll take you out faster than anything. So, Dogged, why don't you please tell them about some of the sets they could get from these dungeons? I could do that, but I wanted to add something first. Feel free, my young ward. Alright, so there's the mob boss that you fight in Banish Shells 2. If you bring him over to the fire, it actually burns him down even faster. So if, you kinda, if you're kind of if you the tank, if you aggro him, and you pull him onto the fire grates, and I think it burns about like 10% of the time each time it works off. So pretty easy. Get a nice little burn. Increase your uh, you know, farm of Banish Shells 2. Or just your run-through of Banish Shells 2. So that's always good. Next up, we have the sinks or the sets of Banished Shells 2. The first set is the Light Armor set, which is Sanctuary. It has max health, 4% healing taken, max magicka, and then the fifth piece passive increases your healing received by 12% for you and up to 11 group members within 10 meters of you. This set is definitely a great set for healers. Probably one of the more meta ones you'll hear about when you wear the five-piece set of this. That's the set that is going to create the green glowing orbs that kind of float around your character that you might see out there. Yep. This is one of my main sets that is in my armory that Tithus Andromo himself keeps a close eye on to make sure it's sanctioned safely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Well, I'm glad that he's keeping your safe for you. Mine is on my healer, so I don't even have to worry about that because it's been on it pretty much since it hit champion, and that's about as good as it gets. I love Sanctuary. It's an awesome set. It is. Now, the medium set out of there is Jailbreaker, and the five piece of that is going to gain you minor exposition at all times. Not something you're really going to be looking for out of a five piece set but hey if you're looking for farming 
sets that can help you just go crazy faster, there you go. Yep. Next up is the Tormentor set. It's the heavy armor. It's whenever you deal damage with a charge ability, you gain 3,600 physical and spell resistance and taunt the enemy to attack you for 15 seconds. This set isn't too great, but our friend Graviton made some crazy wonky build that combined this set with, uh, I think, this set from Volenfell, the monster set. Tremor Scale. You have Tremor Scale, or maybe it was the Dune Ripper five-piece set. Yeah, Graham loves these uh, wonky builds. <laughs> yep, he has a <laughs> crazy combination for that set, so... It's definitely something that you can uh, mix and match with and try to create some kind of crazy, you know, tanking set involved. So we have the monster sets starting with Shadowrend that you're going to get out of the first version of the dungeon. Starts with Mag Recov as the one piece. And then you're going to be looking at when you take damage, you have a 15% chance to summon a shadowy clan fear for 15 seconds. The Clanfear's basic attack deals 3,500 magic damage and applies minor maim to any enemy hit for 3 seconds, reducing their damage done by 15%. This effect can occur once every 15 seconds. So, this is another one of those sets with a 3 second debuff to an enemy. And then it has a 12 second downtime after that debuff has gone away not just been applied and unfortunately it's not the most viable set i mean there are definitely ways maybe increase the damage slightly and increase the buff time slightly or just increase the buff time drastically and leave the damage alone but i do see people running still so could be viable why don't you tell them about the second monster set they could get? Alright, the second set is the Maw of the Infernal. It'll give you some max health. But then, when you deal damage with a light or heavy attack, you have a 10% chance to summon a fire-breathing fire breathing Daedroth for 15 seconds. And then, the Daedroth's, the Daedroth's basic attack deals 4257 flame bit damage, this effect can occur once every 15 seconds. Now, to all you pet sorks that just want to have <laughs> all your four pets over in Battlegrounds and everything, we see you. We see you. And it hurts. <laughs> yeah. I was getting angry when this big, fat Daedroth is just breathing fire at me, chasing <laughs> me around. Like, I'm trying to run away and just chasing after me, breathing fire. <laughs> yeah, and then, boom, you're taking a knee to the ground. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Blue streak. laughs> All right, so, Dog, what are your ideal sets that you're going for out of Banish Shells 1 and 2? For me, it's probably uh, not very many. I mean, I've thought about Jailbreaker a couple times, and I love Sanctuary, clearly. Uh, yeah, I think about Ma the Infernal, and if I if I do Ma the Infernal, it would be on a pet sork, and if I definitely Sanctuary, I already have it. So, so you just want to make them have a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
So now we wanted, as always, to take this middle portion of our podcast to remind you that we are a part of the oh-so-wildly-popular Robots Radio Podcast Network, where you can not only find our podcast, but a bunch of other great podcasts at robotsradio.net. This week, we wanted to give you the opportunity to hear about one of our other awesome shows, especially if you're into Dungeons & Dragons. This show is called Committee Quest, and it could be just for you. Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Amarin. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Alright, so dogged, why don't you go ahead and start out by telling them a little bit about Elden Hollow 1 and 2. Elden Hollow 1 is pretty easy to do. Uh, if you're going for some of the achievements there, uh, there's a hidden boss. It's not really hidden, but it's a Spriggan, and it's off to the right of the first boss that you'll find upon, so make sure you pull that one. And then when you go towards the final boss, there's also the uh, there's the orange cow, as I would call it. The uh, green cow. Well, the boss is orange, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yep. But yeah, the cows because they drop red meat just like the cows does in the Elder Scrolls. So <laughs> clearly, they're just you know green dark elf cows. So and orange. For the last two yeah. years, I can't go through Elven <laughs> Hollow without Doc being like, "Don't worry, I got the green cows." <laughs> <laughs> yep, I pulled them all, and now we're fighting two bosses at the same time twice <laughs> in that dungeon. It's always the best. And then in Elden Hollow 2, there are some portals that you have to go through, and then you're going to go in through the portal and kill some bosses. Uh, one of them is a Lurcher, and then that's for the second portal. I think the first one, you actually have to wait for the for one of the bosses to step out. And if it's uh, not happening right away, that's okay, because it, t- it kind of takes its time. You know, those Oblivion portals... You, you know, those are some long distance travels that they have to go through. So you have to give them time. <laughs> you have to let them come through. Exactly. Give them their moments. But yeah, there are two kind of bosses you have to go and do that with. And then there are also two bosses, one being the Twilight and one being the final boss. They have these shadows that come up and will connect to you. And fear you all kinds of the wrong directions that you want to go. So you want to make sure that you're burning those down very quick. And that is in Elden Hollow 2 specifically. Now let's get into some sets. Mean Dog's favorite part of any dungeon. For the light armor set you're going to have the light speaker. And this five piece is going to give you... 450 spell damage to your resto staff abilities. So, I don't heal much, dog. Is that good for healers? Do you want more spell damage? To your resto staff abilities? So that would be your healing springs, your mutagen, 
Uh, normally, if you're a healer, your restless death abilities are like kind of like your supporting or your main, but you have like other healing, so you definitely want to have more than just you know your restless death skills. So I wouldn't recommend it. So yeah, fair enough. That makes sense. So next up, we have the bark skin set. This is the medium armor one. This one reduces the duration of immobilizations and snares on you by 50%. When an immobilizer snare is applied, you heal for 2k health and restore 1k stamina. And then this effect can occur once every 5 seconds. It's kind of an interesting idea, but there's a lot of stamina PvP sets that you could go for that... I don't know. If it's only going to reduce the duration by 50%, I just want, I don't, I want immobilization and snares just gone entirely if I could choose. I mean, you know, maybe they'll rework this set to do that and take away the, uh, the healing and resource stamina. Oh, I'd be down for and that. And make the healing and the resource stamina as a mythic item that they add. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yep. I mean, you know, they're going to add more mythic uh, items, so we never know what those are. True. Or just add them at all. We're excited for them, clearly. So you also have the Heavy Armor Undaunted Bastion set, which five-piece, when you taunt an enemy will under 60% health, you gain a damage shield that absorbs just about 14k damage for 6 seconds. This effect has a cooldown of 10 seconds. Now, this does have some usefulness i guess i mean if you are a tank that is under 60 percent health and needing a shield to be put on you by your set that's an interesting build you're doing for sure because most tanks are going to be running stuff that probably wouldn't need that kind of buff but I could see how maybe some people might use it even for like a random huge shield, just throwing a taunt on someone when you're low health in PvP, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot better tanking sets out there. And uh, when I'm healing, I normally don't let the tank under 60% health because I have the Breath of Life or three or four different heals up at all times. So. It'd be pretty hard for my tank to activate a taunt while under 60% health <laughs> because they quickly get back up. Yeah. And if they drop below 50% health, an earth core probably went off on them. And that'll bring them back up unless if they have like some nasty dot on it. Yeah, and a lot of healers have that kind of magical breath of life ability. So as far as magic sets go, you're going to be starting out in Eldlin Hollow 1 with Chokethorn. Starts with Magicka Recovery and then the two-piece. When you use a heal ability, you have a 15% chance to summon a Strangler Sapling that heals you or an ally for 19.5k health over 4 seconds. This effect can occur once every 10 seconds. Now... This set is definitely still a set that can be used by healers. Although there are other sets that may be more preferred, I still see this one fairly used, especially in PvP. It can proc on your friend that needs health 
uh, you know, if they're really low, they need a large gap of health to be covered to keep them alive. And this is a great burst heal. So I see it fairly used. Yep. You can always tell because it's the uh, giant plant that's like uh, springing that bright green light across the map. <laughs> Next up, we have Bogged in the Night Flame from Odin Hollow 2. When you heal a friendly target, you have a 10% chance to summon a totem for 6 seconds that heals you and your allies for 2,500 health every 1 second. And then this effect can occur once every 10 seconds. If you already have two different AoE heals active, as Templars and Wardens generally do, then this set really isn't all that helpful. I think this set is more set up for if you need an additional AoE heal, this is a good set for you. But if you're already running two or three, then this set isn't really helpful for you at all. So. Yeah, I mean, it could be helpful maybe for other builds, not dedicated heals, but kind of supplemental. I don't know. It's kind of a different one. So we got through Banished Cells, and we cruised on through Elden Hollow. Now, we come to one of the most, I don't want to say feared but I also don't want to say celebrated. However, it's definitely one of the most known dungeons as far as City of Ash goes. One, and especially number two. Right, dog? Right. In this dungeon, you are going to be fighting the one and only Valken Scoria. And if you're listening to this when it comes out, you have the chance to get in there and go for the Valken Scoria Monster Helmet style page, which is going to drop while the corresponding arms pack is out, which we talked about earlier, is currently out until March 25th. So, make sure you hit that hard mode when you're on the final boss in City of Ash 2, and you'll have a higher chance of getting that drop. Yep. For City of Ash 1, that one on Veteran isn't too bad. Most bosses you should be able to take down without too much of a problem. The last boss can teleport all over the place on you, so make sure you save your ulti until after he ports, and don't be like Bob and have his uh, dim-witted necromancer <laughs> drop his flesh atro and completely miss. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes you just get excited staring at that <laughs> ultimate, just waiting, waiting, like, oh, it's, it's at 200, oh, it's at 210, oh, man, I almost got it, drop it, oh. And then yeah. you miss, and then you <laughs> wasted it. <laughs> yes, but it's okay, because we still win. <laughs> yep. Now, City of Ash 2, on the other hand, is going to be probably the hardest non-DLC dungeon. Definitely one of the hardest, if not the hardest. The first few bosses in it aren't too bad. You're just going to want to watch out for the second boss, she has a bunch of odds that are going to constantly spawn. Just focus her down. It'll get you through there. And the boss a couple later, Horvantu the Fire Maw. His lava can really burn and his earthquakes, he's going to stomp down. And he has adds that come. So 
you're going to want to just burn him down too as fast as you can. Yeah. Next up, we have the Ash Titan. This boss can feel easy when done right, but can also be very frustrating. The Titan will spawn two Air Atronachs during the fight that the tank must taunt and take away from the group. Left loose, they will uh, cause many, many problems, and they will spin to win on your DPS and kill them. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can be pretty nasty. Even though there are some weird ways to do it. I remember like when we were first in this dungeon, we are like, oh man, these things are so annoying, and we would have our tank try and like pull them across the lava, I think. And it would like make them just disappear into the lava. I don't know. There's weird ways to do it, but probably the best way is just have your tank hold those over there, you know, by himself and hold the boss, keep it turned into a corner if he's a pro, you know. Yeah. And if not, just don't even ignore it. Just don't worry about the boss because as long as the uh two DPS and healer are confident enough, they should be able to burn it down. I think it'll be like in execute by the time that that happens. So, yep. And speaking of burning down bosses, that is going to be the main key when you're fighting Valken Scoria, the last boss. She has a total of six, I believe, platforms, right, dog? Um, yeah. Either six or five. And when you hit the hard mode, that is going to decrease to three platforms. These platforms are important because every so often, Falcon Square is going to destroy one of them and move on to the next. And when you run out of platforms, guess what? You're bathing in lava. If that happens, then what you're going to want to do is stand on the little pathways that there are. And you want to move. And you don't want to move in circles. You want to move in like gigantic circles. So because what will happen is that the lava will start attacking you. And if you stay in the same place for too long, then you're going to get hit. And it will either stun you or immobilize you. And then you get hit, hit again, and then you'll be dead. Yep. Especially if you're a vampire. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're a vampire. No lie. Now... When we were talking about the platforms, when we say you want to do this on hard mode, especially if you're going for that style page, you're only going to have three of these platforms. So even just mathematically, you're going to want to make sure that you're shooting for about at least 30% of the boss's health per platform. And that should be enough to get you through, even if you're frantically trying to DPS it down while moving between pathways at the end. Yeah. I know we've done it a couple times where I was the last one alive with like 5% left. And, you know, just you just have to keep your dots up. And if you have a range to execute, that's your best friend right there. So if you're pretty much a Magblade or a Magplar at that point. Yeah, definitely. I could see that. So why don't you take them into some of the sets we could get out of here, dog? All right. The first set, uh, Burning Spell Weave, it's a light armor set. I think this is probably one of the most overrated sets in the game. <laughs> but it gives you max magicka, spell crit, spell damage. And then the fifth piece is whenever you deal damage with the flame damage ability, 
you have a 15% chance to apply the burning status effect to the enemy and increase your spell damage by 525 for 8 seconds. And then this effect can occur once every 12 seconds. So, Bob, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you think about this set? Well, this set, it's been honestly a staple in the game since I can remember, especially for anyone who's trying to do a fire build, particularly mag DKs. But it's never been one that I've like really gone after. I mean, I could see the power and I could see the viability, but the proc chance is a little bit low for my taste. And the buff has not 100% uptime. It has some cool time. And there's other sets that could give you almost as much power for not a proc chance or a downtime. So it's still a good set that could definitely be considered meta. There's people that go crazy for it. And it can be effective, especially if you pair it with a set like Sooks of the Sun on Magdicase. I mean... As long as you're watching that proc go off, you could time it right. Then you could do some real damage. But good luck getting that Inferno staff. Yeah. And then after all, you know, Bob once said that for a different set that there's a 50% proc rate with an already situational requirement. This one has a 15% proc rate on only flame damage. So, I mean, I just don't see why... Unless if you're a Mac That's DK. what you were holding on to that for? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't even like this one that much. I know. what You know what? That's okay. <laughs> well, there you go. But yeah, unless if you're a Mag DK where you can have plenty of flame damage abilities active all at once, I really don't see this set being all that good. Especially when there's not 100% uptime. Uh, there's four second minimum downtime. And then I know of two other five-piece options with a five-piece flat bonus that is, I find to be almost better. Yeah, it's a it's a different set, that's for sure. Never been something that we have ran, but honestly, if I got that Inferno staff, which <laughs> is one of the most coveted drops, at least in Xbox ESO, I would just gold it out just to have it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a flex. Just a flex, man. So that is your light armor set. We also have the medium set Sunderflame, which is going to give you max stam, weapon damage, weapon crit, and then the five piece, when you deal damage with a fully charged heavy attack, you deal an additional 4,000 flame damage and apply minor breach and minor fracture to the enemy reducing their spell and physical resistance by 1320 for 8 seconds. That's a pretty decent stam DPS. I mean, set it's a support set at least, especially since it's medium. Like it's going to give you a lot of extra damage if you're doing fully charged heavy attacks and then they're going to get a solid debuff for 8 seconds that is just going to let you go crazy and do some extra damage on them. So, As long as there's no Templar running Power of the Light in the group, you're going to be all right. Right. And it'll probably be a Stamplar. So it, it just, it's definitely one of those things that uh you definitely want to keep an eye out. Like, 
for that group trial composition, you definitely want to make sure that you can stack all the debuffs and all the personal buffs. And doing so, having a couple support roles will overall boost your DPS than having somebody with like, you know, a flat 30 or a flat 40. You know, someone that does flat 30 and give you an extra, gives everyone an extra 3k will do more damage than if you have that person with the flat 40 in there. So, yeah, that makes sense. And to wrap it all up real quick, we also have the heavy set Ember Shield, which the five piece is going to give you when you deal damage with a fully charged heavy attack. You have a 50% chance to increase your spell resistance by 3.4k and deal 1062 flame damage to all enemies within five meters every one second for six seconds. Now, that's just reading is kind of wonky because why is it only giving spell resistance? You would think it would just give both. Most do. Yeah. Especially since uh, spell resistance is one of the more easier things to get from like racial passives or uh, class passives. Yeah. So. I, most classes have a skill that is going to give you that too yeah so next up we have the infernal guardian from city of ash one this one does max magica and then when you use a damage shield ability you have a 50 percent chance to lob three motors over two seconds at the further enemy that each deal 5,500 flame damage to all enemies within 5 meters of the blast area. This effect can occur once every 6 seconds. This set has always kind of intrigued me. I think I tried to run it one time, but it was on like a weird kind of Stam DK hybrid, and it didn't really work. But it has a pretty decent proc chance, 50%. I mean still a proc chance and like dog said earlier 50 percent for me is still iffy but you get to lob three mortars that are all doing aoe damage and that's kind of nice i mean every six seconds isn't too bad when it's dealing or lobbing mortars every two seconds yeah now the set that is probably going to be one of the most sought after out of these dungeons, is the second monster set from City of Ash 2, Valken Scoria. The first piece is going to give you max health, and then the two piece reads, when you deal damage with a damage over time effect, you have an 8% chance to summon a meteor that deals 9,000 flame damage to the target, and 4,000 flame damage to all other enemies within 5 meters. This effect can occur once every 5 seconds. So as long as you have dots going off, it's going to be every 5 seconds you have a small chance, but a chance, to drop a meteor on these people. Are you a gambling man, dog? For this set, yes. And here is why. For my PvE damage magplar, I have two single dots always up, two ground AoE dots always up, 
another AOE dot that's always up, and I have jabs or sweeps. So, you know, you add two, four, five, possibly six different times, you know, you're looking at pretty much a 50% chance of that going off for me. Yeah. And I've definitely seen you put it to good use, but I've always thought about running it myself, but I don't really do that kind of dot damage, especially when I'm fighting like a single person or like going after someone in Cyrodiil. I may be doing like one damage over time effect on them. So an 8% chance can be really low if you're only doing damage over time, like damage ticks on a certain person so often so yeah it i could definitely see how even for someone like me who is not a super dot build it could be useful for trials and stuff like that because you have one person in front of you that you're constantly debuffing yeah and another nice thing about this is like you know it's a monster set it's not a five piece set where you know like you can't exactly get the a flat rate for that it's a little bit less so yeah and so having like you know only using two pieces and monster sets i mean monster sets is pretty hard to come by over like which one you're gonna run so it's pretty much like well do you want to be more of a support role or more of a you know damage role also i do love the change that they made a while back it was in from one of the elsewheres where Valken Scoria does an orange circle similar to the meteor on its target. So that's yeah, cool. I remember that change. It also helps to know when it's coming for you. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> that we can block if you're the enemy or if it's hitting you. So suffice to say, dog, is the one set you're going to be going in here for Valken Scoria? Is there anything else you like out of here that you go get? Uh, no, pretty much just the Valken Scoria for me. Yeah, there was a time where I farmed Burning Spellweave like I was going to use it, but never really did, and I definitely would still gold out that Inferno Staff and keep it, like I said, but... That's a that's a whole different story. That's just RNG. <laughs> now, I know you wanted to talk about some of the achievements that they can get out of here, right, dog? And let them know since it's kind of a more special base game dungeon. Yes. So for this, there is an achievement for City of Ash 2, which is, you know, the, probably the toughest dungeon that is in a DLC dungeon. And that title is called the Deadlands Adept. And there's a whole list of achievements you have to do. The first one is the Undaunted Rescuer. And what this is, is that you have to talk to everyone in Veteran City of Ash 2. So you have to go through the entire dungeon. Which means you cannot skip anything. And whenever there is the opportunity to split paths, one run you'll want to go left. And the next run you'll want to go right. Or if you just want to get it all done in one go, you can just go up the left and then go out go out the right after you kill the Fire Colossus? Not the Fire Colossus, it's the other but what boss. Oh, the Ash Titan? Yep. After you kill the Ash Titan, and then you can go out the other way, kill some ads, and then you could talk to the other guy that way. 
Yeah, but the main thing is talking to everyone, and then there's that once you look at the Undaunted Rescuer uh, achievement, it'll light up all the names that after you talk to them. So the next one is a Mayrun's Dramora Slayer. You have to kill 300 Dramora. Another one is the Veteran Bone Colossi Slayer. You have to kill 50 of these, which will take at least about 15 runs if you kill all four Bone Colossi each time, which you probably won't. Yeah, the so. likelihood that most groups are going to kill all of those is pretty low. People go skipping them. Yeah, so I'd say that you might be able to kill... You're gonna you're guaranteed at least one each run. So there's that. So maybe two or three if you're lucky. If you know you have a group that doesn't want to skip, and maybe if you say so at the beginning, people will be like, "Oh yeah, sure, we can do that." Or maybe they will. We don't. Well, I mean, kind of just depends on if they're you know farming and they want to go for max efficiency or not. And then you also finish the Mayrange Jamora Slayer by default at the time that you finish the Bone Colossi Slayer. The next one is the Deadly Deadland Survivor. That is the no death for it. So you're going to want to grab, a, you know, probably your closest friends or your closest guildmates and go on there. And be very careful. Have your healer and your tank running barriers. That's always the best way to survive no death runs. Now, there's the uh, City of Ash 2 Conquer. That's just completing it on Veteran. That's not too hard. There's the City of Ash 2 Assassin. It's the 30-minute speedrun. This is where, you know, you might have people going for that, uh, you know, like, yeah, we want to do the speedrun, so we're going to do both of these skips. So there's also the A World on Fire. That's the hard mode, which is a pretty accurate achievement title for the hard mode for Valken Scoria because everything's on fire. And there's fire everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you only get three platforms instead of the five or five six. Five or six. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also, to finish it off, one of my favorite achievements, the easy as pie achievement, where you, you go eat the quote-unquote deadly pie. And it's not deadly. It's awesome. Go eat it. Right, dog? <laughs> <laughs> right. And after you eat it, you know, you can say, you know, this dungeon is easy as pie. Boom. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yes, he did. <laughs> Man, that was awesome, dude. Great show about dungeons. I hope everyone got some information out of it. And like we said, if you're hearing this when it came out, you could go get in City of Ash 2 right now and hit that hard mode. Go put your group through it. <laughs> It'll be worth it if you guys get a style page. It's a really cool looking style. Yeah, Balkan scoring is uh, definitely the probably one of the cooler looking ones of the monster sets. I know it's so. one that a lot of people have been waiting for for it to come out in the style page version. So people are excited, man. And the arms pack looks cool too, so it's good. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up our show. Episode 8 is looking complete, everyone. Thank you guys for listening. We had a great time. Hope you guys did as well. Dog, why don't you tell all these wonderful people where they could come contact us and find the show if they were looking for it on social media and everywhere else? 
You can find the show on Twitter at Red Diamond Cast. You can also find us now on Facebook. We have the Red Diamond Courier page. So there's you can also find us on the on our Xbox Guild, Heirs of the Red Diamond. It's now the proud home of the Red Diamond Courier and the Elder Scrolls Lorecasters uh, Xbox Guilds. So be sure to join that if you play on Xbox with us. You can also find us on the robotsradio.net and inside the Robots Radio Discord. And that Robots Radio Discord is going to be the easiest place where you could go on there and apply to join the guild. And there's going to be all kinds of other channels and people in there and all kinds of things to check out. We highly inspire you to go do that. Now, new this week, we also went up and set up a merch store, which if you're just as crazy as me and just have to have a Red Diamond Courier shirt, then you could go get one. And support the show while doing it. Me and Dog will definitely feel some kickback from that. And anything we make right now is all going into savings for paying uh, podcasting fees and getting dogged an awesome new mic. So that's our first goal. Also, if you love our intro and outro music as much as we do, it is created and produced by the all-talented Daniel Nisley whose contact information, as well as the link to our merch store, can be found in the show notes accompanying this episode. Dogged, where can the wonderful people find you if they want to yell at your face? Well, if you want to yell at my face, and I mean, probably the be- most best ways on Xbox or Twitter at dogbark24. If you don't want to yell at my face... Uh, you can uh, find me on twitch.tv slash dogbark24. I might be streaming a bit next week because I am on spring break that week. Woo! And I plan on streaming Oblivion and another game. And these will probably be my first playthrough for both of these games. So nice, man. it'll be fun. That's exciting. Oblivion is what got me into the other Scrolls world. Yep, it'll definitely be an experience. That's for sure. Sweet, man. It's uh, been a lot of buildup from the couple of the podcasts I've been watching. So, <laughs> And if you want to come yell at my face, you can also find me on Xbox, Bob Trichinski, and on Twitter and Twitch at Bob underscore Trichinski. And I would love for you to come uh, hang out and talk Elder Scrolls and all things Red Diamond Courier. And yeah, you know. Another great episode that I have highly enjoyed. Thank you, Doc, for coming out once again, brother. We're closing it. This is two months right here, episode eight. Yeah, pretty solid. Pretty solid, man. It's been a lot of fun. We're cruising through into March and uh, right through all these dungeons. We hope you guys found some good information in this episode and learn something you may not have before or can go into some of these dungeons feeling a little bit more confidently we will see you next week as always we're the red diamond courier yep bye guys see ya have a good one everyone you've been listening to a robots radio podcast smart shows for interesting people check out all the shows at robotsradio.net
I'm Bob. And I'm Brad. We're lifelong friends. And the hosts of the Film and Whiskey Podcast. This is the show where each week we review a classic movie and a glass of whiskey. That's right. Every week we go in-depth on a well-known movie while sampling the best from the world of scotch, bourbon, and more. Because nothing goes better with strong opinion than equally strong liquor. Bob's a movie nerd. Brad's an average Joe. But together, we give fresh insights and hot takes on the world of movies and spirits. So check out the Film and Whiskey Podcast. Part of the Robots Radio Network. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are dragon breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel.